as well, if you'd like to follow along with me. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. After this, he, that's Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed him. And then Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord's friends. It's the word of the Lord, friends. Sorry, I misspoke that. Thanks be to God indeed. Uh... I want you to imagine a church picnic. Probably like many of you have attended before, it's midsummer, it's warm, we're outside, there's tables spread with, you know, deviled eggs and pies and that sort of thing. And there's actually a band, a live band playing at this church picnic. Everybody's mingling around and having fun. And this live band is playing pop music and they're made up of mostly high schoolers. And the one leading the band is a 16-year-old boy. He's playing guitar. He's singing a song that's a popular song of the day, but he's forgotten the lyrics. And so every now and then, he just kind of interjects lyrics from blues songs that he knows, kind of just creating his own song there on the fly. Well, they're in the church picnic crowd. They're mingling around, eating those deviled eggs and pie, is another 15-year-old boy who's watching all of this happen. And he looks up at this 16-year-old up on the stage, and he thinks, man, you know, like kind of the curl of his hair and his long sideburns, he looks cool. And, you know, the fact that he's kind of working in all these other lyrics is just pretty impressive. And so this boy in the audience is impressed with the boy on stage, and he decides to go up and meet him, and they shake hands. And for the first time, John on the stage and Paul in the audience meet each other they would go on to form the Beatles, and this little encounter at a church picnic would change the course of pop music history forever. That's an encounter that's changed things for a lot of people, isn't it? Well, we just read actually about an encounter that Levi, who actually has the name Matthew elsewhere in the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew was written by this guy, who's also called Levi, has an encounter with Jesus that changes his life forever. It changes him radically, and it changes him immediately. Some of you may have had such an encounter with Jesus that feels like a deep, radical change, that feels like there was one day I was walking one way and another day that I was walking a different way, and that encounter with Jesus has totally changed the direction of my life. There's some of you who are maybe really yearning for such an encounter, maybe for the first time, because the questions that are just bouncing around in the back of your head have never really kind of found a place to land and found those answers, and you are yearning for an encounter that would actually solidify your understanding of who you are and what is true in the world and whether or not there's actually any hope and if you can change Maybe you're yearning simply for another encounter because, of course, Jesus doesn't just meet us once, does he? In fact, my hope 
my desire for us today is that not only if you have never been to church before, you might encounter Jesus for the first time, but also if you've been sitting in these kind of church chairs for your whole life, that you might encounter Jesus afresh this morning, that we might actually see more clearly who he is and be able to respond to that call. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. What does it look like to have an encounter with Jesus? What does it look like when you meet Jesus, whether that's for the first time or for the millionth time in your life, what happens? Here's the first thing I think that we see that happens in Levi's life in particular, is that when you have an encounter with Jesus, Jesus will step on your toes. Jesus is going to get up close and personal. He's going to make himself known in some ways that are wonderfully intimate and also maybe frighteningly intimate. My dog, probably like all dogs, uh, is, is a follower, meaning he just follows me around all the time. So if I get up from one room and I go into the other room, the dog is just going to follow me and he's going to be there. And if I'm doing something like, you know, taking laundry back and forth, I mean, he's getting a workout because he's going back and forth all the time such that I sometimes just have to say, dude, stop it. Stay there. Stop following me. And then when I do finally sit down, he wants to sit down really, really close to me. And he will sit, if I sit on the couch, he will sit not only on the couch, but actually on top of the back cushions of the couch, such that his face is like right here. And he's like, <sighs> I just want to be so close. Maybe you've, um, maybe you know people like that. You ever talk to a close talker, right? Where they're just like, I want to climb inside your space bubble and just kind of like be there right with you two inches away so that we can have this conversation. I one time did an experiment with such a close talker. Uh, we were at church. He drew very near to talk, and I would just take a step back and wait about six or seven seconds, in which time he would take a step forward to get close again, and we literally worked our way around the entire room. It was like we, it was like a, we were working a dance floor in this conversation. Before we came here to plant hope, uh, Joy and I had to be a part of an assessment for church planting where a lot of really wise men and women gather potential church planters together and try and figure out, are these people actually cut out for this job? And over the course of a few days, you know, we would go through case studies and activities and interviews, and all of the time, people were watching us. Lunch, breakfast, dinner, always eyes on you to figure out who you are. And by the end of the week, we're having really deep kind of interviews where they're asking us, you know, all about our marriage and all about our family and all about our sin struggles and all about kind of the deepest parts of our lives, which of course at that point I was thinking, I don't care, ask me anything you want, just stop watching me all the time. They were all up in our business, really, really close. They were ready to step all over our toes. You know, that's really what Levi experiences here. That's one of the truths about what it means for Jesus to draw close is that he is gonna draw really close. He's gonna get all up in your business. He's gonna probably step on your toes a little bit. You know, for Levi, oftentimes for us, right, we think um, I meet Jesus at church and that's where he and I do business. And so when I leave church, 
we're not really in a relationship anymore. When I come back on Sundays, Jesus and I, we can talk, we can kind of do business again, but I leave him over there. Interesting, isn't it? That there is no point in this story where they're at church. Jesus does not meet Levi in the synagogue. He actually comes directly to his job. I wonder if that's unsettling for some of us, for Jesus to come into our work. How do we feel about him getting up all into our vocational business? Do we think that actually our work is for ourselves so that we can get the good things out of life that we want? Or do we see our work as actually part of what it means to follow Jesus in all things? Are we letting Jesus in to the places in our work life where we'd kind of rather him not be? Does Jesus go on your business trips with you? Does he know the power struggles at work? Do we let him into those places? Because that's where he wants to be. And he doesn't just stay at work either, right? With Levi, Jesus actually comes and gets all into his family business. He, he comes to his house. Levi throws him a, a big party. In fact, the, the, the Greek words here designate something that would have cost a lot of money. So Levi not only is having his work affected, but actually his you know, family life and his finances affected. Jesus is right there all up in his house and his societal life too. All of his friends are there and Jesus is with him. Jesus is drawing close to Levi in a way that is probably very uncomfortable. And let me just share the truth with you. That's what it means to be a Christian is that Jesus is gonna draw close to you in a way that yes, is wonderfully intimate. In a deep friendship, intimacy kind of way. He is going to love you like no one has ever loved you. He is going to care for you like no one has ever cared for you. He is going to draw close and be present for you like no one has ever been in your life. But he's also gonna get into your business because he wants all of you, not just a part. Let's move to the second thing that we see about encountering Jesus. What else does it mean for us? Well, it also means that you will probably have to take a deeper look at yourself than maybe you ever have. We see this actually with Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees. You know, all through the Gospels, Jesus has kind of got this dialogue going with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious teachers and rulers of the day. They were the ones with kind of the religious and cultural power and oftentimes they are challenging Jesus and he is challenging them. So we're seeing the core even of what they challenge Jesus about here in this, uh, in this particular episode. I, I think it's funny. I, I, when I read this, I thought, um, why are they there? Why are the Pharisees even there at this party? And the truth is, I don't really know. It could be that Levi invited them there. He may have invited them there because uh, they were those who had some cultural power. In fact, maybe Levi was trying to get back into a little bit of the good graces of the upper echelon of culture because as a tax collector, he really would have been an outcast. Or maybe Levi, because he's so young in his faith here, doesn't really see a difference between Jesus, this kind of famous rabbi, and the Pharisees. And so, hey, let's invite everybody, the famous religious people. They all come over for dinner. But honestly, I, I think probably what is most true is the fact that the Pharisees are actually just there spying. They're lurking like they normally do with Jesus to see his every move, to see what kind of steps he's going to take and what's he, what's he going to do. And what are they so frustrated about here? We see it in verse 30. 
the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See, there's this understanding from the Pharisees that life is divided into two categories. There are the insiders, that's them, and there are the outsiders, people like tax collectors. And if you're an insider, you don't talk to or associate, and certainly you don't eat with outsiders. Because the insiders are the ones who've kind of gotten their lives together. They're the ones who know the rules and they obey them. They're the ones who everybody looks up to. They're the ones who think, you know, if I just do these particular things, then I've got good in not only with God, but also with the people around me. And outsiders are the people who just aren't doing those things, and so we're not going to associate with them. But of course, there's something that lies underneath that too, and it's that insiders have already pretty much got everything they need, and outsiders need everything. And of course, what they're talking about is who eats with who and who Jesus should be hanging around. But what's underneath all that? It's really a question about need, isn't it? See, what they think is that the hearts of the outsiders are more needy than the hearts of the insiders. It's the beautiful and deep and subtle irony that's going on here is that what Jesus is actually subtly unearthing to them is that when you have an encounter with Christ, when Jesus draws near to you, one of the main things that happens is that you start to see that my heart has the same needs as his heart, her heart, their hearts. You know, rescuers in the Rocky Mountains will tell you that there is one thing that, uh, one thing that will get you rescued more than anything else. It's being a child. The numbers actually say that children get rescued when they're lost in the wilderness more than adults do. And it's not because the rescuers think children are cute and they want to rescue them more. It's for one reason only, is that children know when they're lost. And they stay in one place and they cry for help. What do adults do? (laughs) They're like, I can find the way. Adult men are, I think, are even in a separate category right over here. I can find the way. I know where to go. I'll start walking, and I'll get out here in just a little bit, except most of the time, they're getting themselves more and more lost. What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here is that in order to know Jesus, in order to be found, you have to know you're lost, We say this all the time. If you've ever been to our Introducing Hope class or our DNA class, you've heard me talk about our core values. And our very core, first core value, and really the thing that we build everything else on is this phrase, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. The outsiders need Jesus, and we want them to come in. The people who we look at and go, you know, your life is a total wreck. It's a super mess, and everybody can see it. Those people need Jesus. And so the church is actually called to bring them in so that they might meet Jesus, so they might know know their need and know the one who fills it. But guess what else? Insiders need Jesus too. People who've been sitting in church pews their whole life need Jesus just as deeply. People that send their kids to Christian schools need Jesus just as deeply. People that teach the Bible need Jesus just as deeply. 
Being an insider does not erase your need. We all have the same need. We've talked about it many times like this, as if the church is a hospital. We actually get that from this passage because that's what Jesus says. I came to heal. I'm the physician. And guess what the requirements are for getting healed? You got to know you're sick. You have to know that you're in the hospital because you have deep need. And those who don't think they're sick don't get healed. Those who don't think they need the hospital don't get the doctor. Friends, that is all of us, insiders and outsiders. We have the same heart of need for Jesus to come and heal us. And it is our understanding of that need that is so key to our reception of his healing. I like to say that Christian growth is never growth in independence. Christian growth is always dependent growth. You will never grow as a Christian if you think you're growing in independence. You will only grow as a Christian if you are depending more and more on Jesus every day of your life. Here's the third thing. Not only uh, will Jesus step on our toes when he gets close to us, not only will he uh, make us take a look at ourselves that we actually may not want to take a look at, but here's the third piece, is that when Jesus draws close, you will want to invite others to encounter him as well. This is what happens with Levi, and I think this is so fascinating. It's so wonderful to see just how quickly the story moves here. Jesus comes to Levi. He calls him when he's at his work. He says, follow me. Levi immediately leaves everything and he follows him. But what's the next thing that we see Levi do? He throws a party and he invites all his tax collector buddies and Jesus. Isn't that amazing? His gut reflex I just met Jesus. I just met this guy that changed my life completely. He just redirected everything. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna throw a party. I'm gonna invite all my friends. My sinner friends are all outcasts like me. And I'm gonna invite Jesus and his disciples. And you know what? We're just gonna see how it works out. We're gonna get everybody together and just see what happens. I love that gut response from Levi. His initial response in thinking, I just met someone who changed my life is not to disengage from the culture. It's not to disengage from his relationships. It's not to disengage from the world around him. It's actually to completely engage. When I was growing up you know, in the 80s, there was this trend with megachurches of bringing everything from the outside world into the church. Maybe you experienced this as well. Remember when churches would not only build gyms, but they would build like bowling alleys and movie theaters and restaurants and coffee shops. And so you could go into one of these churches and you're like, man, there's everything you would ever need. Like all of the entertainment available in the world is now available within the walls of the church. Well, what's implicitly being said in that? Don't spend any time out there. Bring it all in here. Remove yourself from the culture around you so that you might protect yourself. Remove yourself from the culture around you so that we can put a Christian stamp on everything. And if you want to have fun, you better have the Christian stamp fun or it's not going to be real godly fun. It's removal from culture. It's, it's, it's saying, I'm not going to get my hands dirty with the world around me because I'm afraid that maybe they'll just get a little too dirty. That's not what Levi does here. It's not what Levi does here. He actually engages in the people around him. 
You know, in John 17, Jesus actually prays this for his disciples. He's praying for his disciples, and what he says to the Lord, he says, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. That's not what I'm asking. In fact, I'm asking that you would send them into the world, that they would go with your spirit, that they would go proclaim in your goodness, but that they would go and move into culture rather than away from it. So how do we do this? Let's get a little bit practical now. How do we engage the people around us like Levi or Matthew does here? Well, we do it kind of like he does here. Very simple. We invite our friends to meet our friends. We introduce our friends to our friends. In fact, there's this amazing concept, you know, kind of at work here. It's that when there is a diverse group of people gathered and Jesus is present, really cool things happen. That's still the case. When there's a diverse group of people present and Jesus is present, the gospel proclamation is present, then good things actually happen. That's true for us as well. We can invite friends to friends. We can invite our unchurched friends to come and meet our churched friends. We can invite our neighbors to actually come and meet the people that we have been friends with in the church for years and years. We can invite them to our activities. One way is that we can do it just like Levi did here. We can invite people over for dinner. To invite your neighbors or your friends from work or the people that you just known kind of because you're in a club with them or whatever. And you know, maybe they don't know the Lord, maybe they do, but you're pretty sure they're not plugged into a church. Just invite them over to dinner and then invite another family from church to come and meet them. It's really as simple as that. Love them well, serve them, enjoy good food together, ask good questions about their life, get to know them, actually come alongside them and befriend them, and pray the whole time that the Lord might open a door for good conversation. Now, let me just say, you probably won't be talking about Jesus on the first time that you get together, but you may. The Lord may open that door. And when he does, be prepared, be prepared to proclaim the excellencies of the one who has called you out of darkness into light, to be able to talk about where your hope is. Another thing that you can do is you can invite them to your community group. You heard Kathy say this, our community groups are, are open places. We want them to be places where people feel the freedom to invite their friends and neighbors in. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. We're not pulling any punches. We're not pretending to be something that we're not. We're gonna study the Bible and we're gonna talk as friends, but you know what? When a diverse group of people is gathered and Jesus is present, good stuff actually happens. The third thing you can do is you can simply invite them here to worship. Ask them to come to church. We live in the South, friends. We're in the Bible Belt. It's not weird to ask people to come to church. And when they come to church, they can sit by you, they can meet your friends, they can feel welcomed and loved, and they will probably also then feel challenged. That's good. For them to feel loved and challenged at the same time is actually what our hearts need. When a diverse group of people are together and Jesus is present, good stuff happens. Those are the three things from this passage that I think come out uh, when we have an encounter with Jesus. What, does it, what it does to our hearts. Let me just close quickly with this. You've heard me talk before probably about uh, two groups of people, I think, in the world, that we have freedom people and rules people. 
Generally speaking, freedom people are those people who think, you know what, the way that I will find flourishing in my life and real happiness is by actually getting rid of all of the rules. I'll go find it myself, and if everybody would just kind of leave me alone to go find it, I would do just fine on my own. If you identify even a little bit maybe with Levi, the tax collector, and his buddies, or maybe with the younger brother in the prodigal son parable, then you're probably a freedom person. You probably, at some, at some uh, core in your heart, understand that, you know what, the problem is out there, and that's that everybody wants to put all these constraints on me, and the solution is in here, and that's that I need to find my own way. What about rules people? Rules people, in a lot of ways, are just the opposite, right? Rules people, kind of the understanding is, you know what, if I just obey kind of the standards, if I could actually check the boxes, that's how I find happiness and fulfillment in my life. And when I'm doing the right thing, I feel good about myself. And when others do the right thing, we feel good about ourselves as a society. And so the big problem actually in the world is that not enough people are doing the right thing. There's a standard. There's a judge. There's a God who has given us a standard. And if we could just get close enough at least to meeting that standard, then our lives would be okay. If you identify at all with the Pharisees in this, uh, in this story here or with the older brother in, uh, in the prodigal son parable, then you're probably a rules person. In fact, honestly, most people that show up for church on Sunday mornings are probably rules people. But did you catch this? Is that for both rules people and freedom people, the problem is out here and the solution is in here. But you know the gospel says just the opposite? Is that the problem is in here and the solution is out here. Is that there is a judge. There is a righteous standard, but you can't meet it. Neither can you throw it off and find your own. It has to be met for you. And that is what Jesus has come to do. To draw near to us by taking on our flesh and blood so that he might actually meet the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf. And so that amazingly, he might sacrifice his life for the death that we deserve. Friends, that is what it means for Jesus to draw near. That is what it means to have an encounter with him. And my prayer this morning is that you would encounter Jesus in such a way that it changes your life like it did Levi's. That not only we would invite him in more and more to step on our toes every day, that we would invite Jesus in to show us the places in our lives that we'd rather not see, but that we might also invite others in to see that, to proclaim the one who has done what we could not do. That is what it means to encounter Christ. Let me pray that he would meet us where we are this morning, that we might encounter him in a fresh way today. Pray with me. Lord, what a wonderful uh, story we get to look at of how you have come to meet Levi, this tax collector turned disciple. But Lord, we want to confess that it's not just a story. It's just, it's what you do. It's who you are. It is your nature to draw near. It is your nature to come and draw near and to challenge everything that we believe, but Lord, also to give us everything that we long for. So we ask, Lord, that we would see you meet you afresh today, that we might know you more fully, that we might proclaim you, join in in your mission to proclaim the good news 
to our friends and neighbors. Will you, by your spirit, enable us to do that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.